This is Wessler Media. Do okay. do do are, are there different personalities? I mean, different personalities. Yes. Like, can you see? Like, okay, this one's a little bit more. Uh, pardon the pun, but cocky. Well, there's there's one cockerel there, and and of course he's going to rule the roost. He's these are his birds he's with. These ladies he's with. Um, just for example, the one little pull that's coming to the door, she's very curious, and she's perhaps more curious than the others. Where the one hanging in the back is less curious. The Ohio State Fair and Wessler Media are proud to present A Fair to Remember, discovering the stories and people behind this statewide tradition. This is Season 1, Episode 2. I don't know why, why we do it. We just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine living in town and I don't know what I'd do with my time. built this barn? I built everything here. Everything after the you house. You built this entire structure? Yes. I, I designed it. I took it to the county engineer for approval back in 1994. And then I just took my time and I built it. I built it. Simply put, that's what agriculture can say about the Ohio State Fair. Those cracked, well-worked hands of the farming community first built it. Do you ever name them? Oh, no. <laughs> I don't name my birds. <laughs> I name all my mammals, but I don't name my birds. <laughs> That's the voice of Don Monkey. He's a retired veterinarian with a 40-year career in the field, and he's been showing birds at the Ohio State Fair for going on 20 years now. So needless to say, when it comes to animals, he kind of knows what he's talking about. They're not intelligent like a dog, but they do recognize their environment, and they talk to each other, so... There is, there's like we talked earlier, there's a contented sound, um, uh, pecking for the feed to make a little sound when they're just wanting to, when they're rousting about with each other, they make a different sound. But this is sort of a alarm and talking to each other. And so this is normal behavior of announcing to each other what's going on. There are about 250 animals on Don's property in Western Ohio. That's a couple of dogs, cats, sheep, a quarter horse, and a whole bunch of chickens. And I, I think I may have missed two dogs there, but he's got a lot of animals. While he may officially be retired, he really isn't. Taking care of animals for Don was never a job. It's a passion. And that passion paid off in the form of an award in 2017, when one of his white Wyandotte Bantam pullets won reserve champion. So, so basically what you're telling me is, like, these are... Pretty egg birds would be the... Yeah. And, and this the whole project in 4-H and in other places is called fancy poultry. This is fancy poultry. While well, it takes many things, it takes two primary things to have a prize-winning animal at the Ohio State Fair. Time and detail. Many of the birds you see were hatched about seven months prior, and things like growth, feather quality, and personality are really important. And speaking of personality, while discussing the structure of a chicken's foot, one of them decided to have a little fun. <laughs> Acting like, hey, man, you know. Yeah, you think it's real funny. Is it true that you can't count your chickens before they hatch? So 
And someone says you can't count your chickens before they hatch, that's absolutely correct. Hi, Pam. Let's move from birds to cattle and head up I-71 to the farm of Mike and Pam Haley. No, you stay out there wet. So who's who? Sadie's the brown one. She's Sadie. She's old. That's why she guards the porch. That's good. That's good. <laughs> Molly's the black one. Nice to finally meet you. Yeah, good to meet you, well, my too. My great-great-grandfather, I believe that's right, five generations, uh, Harry Haley, um, when he bought the farm, he, always, he had two sons, and he always dreamed of having two farms with a road in between them. And uh, he was able to buy the neighbor farm across the street. And shortly after he died, um, or after he passed away, they decided to build the national interstate system. So they built Interstate 71 between them. And he got, he got his dream of having two farms with a road between them. So Mike and Pam are seed stock cattle farmers focusing on genetics. That means they help breed the cattle that makes the steak on a stick at the fair. Back in the day, the Haley family, as best as they could, would make educated guesses with cattle breeding. What animal plus what animal makes the best hamburger? Today, all that is far more precise and, of course, handled electronically. We got a comp yeah, computer program that's um, designed specifically for um, every animal's entered in it. It's got all their, um, it's got all their family history in it. But our computer program, it keeps track of, we keep track of all any medicines that we give them. Um, and, and whenever we breed them, um, our inventory in the tank of embryos and semen. And so you got to be careful what you grab for in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, it's a, it's a special tank with uh, filter, or frozen and liquid nitrogen in it. Yeah. It stays out in the, in yeah. a, in the barn. But <laughs> that ain't chocolate milk, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> so think about that for a second. Tens of millions of cattle around the United States trackable on a software program. You can know what type of cattle has what medicine and so on and so forth. So if you're out grabbing a bite to eat and you happen to have beef, if done correctly, you should have the ability to track that, like that hamburger, down to the exact farm and pasture where that meat came from. This would likely have been some kind of like sci-fi novel material to people back in the day. Now we're living it. Okay. There's a while. The vet is coming. Uh, the vet is on his way, so we have to sort it out. Okay. We have to put an embryo in a cow this morning, and I never know when the vet is coming, and so he just texted me and said he's on his way so that we can put an embryo in a cow. So, so I'm going to move cattle around. That's coming up next on A Fair to Remember. We're back in a minute. You might be thinking, why is this episode titled Your Barn's on Fire? Well, we'll get to that in a moment with a story at the next farm that we visit. But I wanted to ask you for your stories. And what I mean by that is go on Instagram. And if you are on there, make sure you follow at Ohio State Fair, of course. But let us into your fair journey. We want to know what you do. Like, what inky donut stand do you go to? Do you get Icy's? Maybe you just get the root beer. And as we'll hear in a future episode, there is a, a root beer man that some folks like to go to. Um, so what do you do? Like elephant ears or maybe you're a funnel cake kind of person or steak on a stick or that really good bacon stand? Like I'm all about that. So what do you do? What's your fair secrets? Share it on Instagram and uh, tag the Ohio State Fair on Instagram stories. Love to share that so everybody can kind of get the uh, inside scoop on what to do at the fair. Get the uh, Kind of get the drop on what's going on. So follow the fair at Ohio State Fair on Instagram and tag us on Instagram stories. 
Here on Our Fair to Remember, we are looking at the stories, the lives, and the passion of people who are truly the lifeblood of this event. If we're thinking about it in terms of a body, the heart and bones of the fair is really agriculture, and ag isn't always clean. We're at the West Salem, Ohio farm of Mike and Pam Haley. They raise seed cattle for a living. Simply put, they take care of the cattle that give birth to beef cattle. Together, Mike and Pam have eight generations in the farming business. So this is serious business, and sometimes that business is icky. Before the break, Pam got a text message from their local vet, Doc Emery Orris. So this cow is seven days past the heat. We're going to check her to make sure she has a CL. If she has a CL, then she's going to receive an embryo. And so she's going to carry the calf of another more valuable cow. What is a what is a CL? CL is a corpus luteum. Okay. And so that forms after ovulation, and that is what secretes progesterone for the f- first 100 days um, to uh, maintain the pregnancy. So if they need a CL to do that, and the embryo has to go in the horn on the side that she ovulated off of. So if she ovulated off the right and the CL's on the right, then the embryo has to go into the cranial one-third of the right horn. Okay. When you say horn, what exactly is? The uterine horn. Okay. After identifying where the embryo is to be placed, we walk quickly over to a small nearby barn, and there's a tank in there. This tank looks kind of like a beer keg, but there's not beers in here. This is a keg where there's kind of like frozen embryos, and the vet is selecting what embryo to put into that cow. And this is at minus 196 degrees Celsius, so it's like really cold, and it's so cold it'll burn you worse than any fire will. So hold it out for six seconds. And then we put it into 85 degree Fahrenheit water for 15, 20 seconds. And then we load a breeding gun, just like a semen gun, but it's a little smaller. It's a quarter cc gun instead of a half cc gun. And so this embryo has all the information. We collected these embryos. We did these, 1260 my embryo code. And we did this November 16th of 2016. So these embryos have been stored for almost two years, year and a half. We have eggs in this tank for, like you said, some of them are 10 years old. We're going to try to do it as gently as possible, and that's why the epidural, so that she doesn't even feel me back here, and I'm not scratching or fighting. And then when I get it, far forward in the horn, in the uterine horn as I can get, then I will deposit the embryo. And about 50 to 60% of the time, she's going to carry the baby of the other cow. So this works about 50 to 60% of the time. So we deposited that embryo, and she sits there and says, I'm pregnant. It takes a total of three years for a cow to go from embryo to a steak on your plate. And by the way, that cow's name that they put the embryo in, her name's Yankee, and she has a successful pregnancy. However, for Mike and Pam, the cattle in their pastures, they're not the only important animals. Of course you have to go see the butter cow, and you have to get... The butter cow is definitely a tradition. You have to get uh, some ice cream from the the barn where the the butter cow is, and... uh, then I always have to have a Stromboli. There's just, yeah, so. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, 
it's, it's we're, usually about food for us it's not we're, we're there right at the very beginning of the state fair we actually show up the day before it starts yeah. um so it's if if time allows i always try to get over the butter cow barn or when they unveil the butter cow and see the new year's design and um it's always been fascinating and because i don't know how you sculpt that much butter well we know how you sculpt that much butter and the story of the butter cow will go behind the scenes in episode seven We're now about two hours away from Mike and Pam Haley's place at a farm that belongs to Jim and Jill Brandt. Within a two mile radius of their home near Anna, Ohio, they have 220 years of family history contained within two family farms. Since the 1940s, the Brandt family has had some form of focus on sheep. While Jim stopped short of calling himself an expert with lambs, it's really evident that he carries decades of knowledge with him during this morning routine in the barn. Her twin lambs that their uh, mother doesn't have enough milk. So uh, we're kind of supplementing things. Sweet. The good lambs take on the form of an athlete in all reality. I mean, their muscle pattern. um, And and so, you know, some of these little guys are born and they don't have a lot of muscle pattern. There's some that really, really have it. It's funny when you leave them out of there and, and those OUs are all standing around how those lambs find their mommies and the mommies find the lamb. You know, even though they've been away from them for 24 hours or 30 hours. Well, I mean, at least in my my estimation, they look all the same. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? Yeah. Well, you know, and I think a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with uh, the, the smell. You know, it's just like we as humans, you know. The Brants have over two centuries of agricultural family history. In those 200 years, things haven't always gone right. In fact, sometimes things were downright scary. During a lengthy conversation, Jill began to highlight one frightening day in particular. So let's start with Jill on Saturday, October 7th, 2006. I was I left here and was going to Anna and I passed the farm and I did notice that there were uh, an extra truck or two there. I went on by and I got about a mile past there and I met a sheriff's department or a sheriff's car and it was just flying the lights going and So I, I drove to the next driveway and I thought, oh, I wonder where that's going. I turned around and came back. And I saw that it pulled into the farm. And I'm thinking to myself, Keith, you need to slow down. It's uh, you're, There's no need to be going that fast. And he says, Jim, Jim, your barn's on fire. I grabbed a hold of the hose and and I could spray and just catch part of it from down on the on the ground. And uh, I said, Keith, get that skid loader over here. And I got in the bucket and he raised me up and I'm kind of holding on, bracing myself. And I said, get me a little closer. So, you know, I, I went in there and here was Jim sitting on the back end of that pickup truck. And he kept saying, get the sheep out of the barn, get the sheep out of the barn. And his mom was there and she said, Jim, there's no sheep in the barn. There haven't been any sheep in the barn. 
Jim and a farmhand had a burn pile nearby. Jim passed out. He fell at least 10 feet. It was a heart attack. doctor, heart doctor, then came in that next morning, and he says, I think we're going to do a catheterization, and so they did a catheterization, he says, well, I got good news and bad news. Good news is, we can fix what is wrong, the bad news is, we're going to have to do some surgery, because uh, we can't, we can't stint you. visit you that morning, that morning. saying, you know, uh, how are you feeling? You know, this is what we're going to do. Um, you got any questions? Right. And then, you know, the anesthesiologist will be in here in a little bit and get you ready. And, you know, he kind of laid out the steps, you know, they'll, they'll open him up. They'll take his heart out. They'll lay it aside. And then they'll do all this repair work and they'll put the heart back in. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. But anyhow, then he, you go ahead. The doctor says, he said, you know, you're my first patient. I said, okay. And he says, well, you're my first patient here at Lima Memorial. Jim's quintuple bypass surgery was successful and recovery took some time, but his heart seems to be doing just fine. He and Jill just celebrated 50 years of marriage. As time goes on, you may look back at those small moments in life and realize they weren't so small. In fact, they're some of the biggest memories you might treasure most. In barns across America, years of family history and knowledge are being passed on to the next generation in those same types of small, innocuous moments. Years ago, Jim and Joel Branch shared these moments separately, then with their parents, then together, their own children, and now with their grandchildren. Inside their sheep barn, Jim opened up a small box. In it were a handful of baby chicks. Jim's working with his granddaughter, who's expressing interest in farming and animals. We've been uh, recognized in the sheep industry by, by Ohio uh, as a Master Shepherd Award. This wooden container just doesn't house some birds for a 4-H project. This box represents a continuation of the Brandt family history ensuring that the next generation understands and carries that agricultural passion for years to come. I hope my kids remember that. That came because of hard work. Somebody just don't hand you those things. Hopefully the grandkids learn that. Next on A Fair to Remember, a preview of the next episode. We're back in a minute. So clearly you care about the Ohio State Fair because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this right now. And one thing that I have learned after studying the fair and developing this podcast for the Ohio State Fair is the fact that there is so much going on. The fair has really changed over the years, but I really believe that the soul, the heart and soul of the fair is still there after 168 years. So there is so much to discover the Ohio State Fair that, um, you know, you just walk through and think about the stories that are happening all around you. And that's one thing that I try to think about when I... Uh, 
roam the grounds this year. And uh, as I'm in search of uh, more stories for the second season of the podcast. So if you've got a story, you've got something that you are near and dear with, like at the fair. Like if you've got a tradition, you've got a story. Maybe you met somebody at the fair that forever changed your life. Let us know. You need to go to the fair's website, ohiostatefair.com slash podcast. It's the website on there, and you can submit your story on there. So ohiostatefair.com slash podcast. Again, one more time, ohiostatefair.com slash podcast. If this is the first episode of the podcast you've heard, I'd really encourage you to start with our first episode and uh, give us a five-star rating. It really helps other people hear these great stories. So start at the first episode, subscribe, and thank you so much for listening to A Fair to Remember. Your listenership is greatly appreciated. So I was really surprised, I guess, because I had no idea that it was even coming. We were about to perform on Main Street stage, and we were joking around waiting to get up there. It was taking forever. That's when I started having a little tiny I remember that. Oh, it was tough, but too much life going on, and couldn't. I mean, we couldn't do much about it. I love the fair. Well, first of all, the biggest reason I love the fair is because I love our story. I, I love the story that Michelle and I have. Love at the fair. We're going to get to know three couples and the important role the fairgrounds played in their lives. That's coming up next on the next episode of A Fair to Remember. A Fair to Remember is presented by the Ohio State Fair and produced by Wessler Media. Shout out to executive producer and PR manager for the fair, Alicia Schultz. She's given me the great honor and duty to help tell these stories. Special thank you to Don Monkey, Mike and Pam Haley, Doc Emery, Jim and Jill Brandt, and the entire ag community at the fair. Our opening theme is the beautiful Ohio Waltz, performed by the 1994 All-Ohio State Fair Band. These episodes are expertly mastered by Joey Gerwin at Orange Judo Recording Studios. And finally, thank you to anyone who's done anything at all to help make this podcast series a reality. And thank you for attending the fair, because you too are a part of this great history. This has been a fair to remember. I'm your host, Vince Tornero, and I'll see you on the Midway. Ever sick. You try to pre- prevent problems. I'm sorry. Now, that's, if that's on the tape, I can't help that. That's a cockatoo. And once she starts... So what is happening here? He, I, guess she, I guess she just noticed you. I don't know. The production you just heard was carefully crafted at the studios of Wessler Media. For more powerfully engaging podcasts and other audio content, visit wesslermedia.com. Stories of overcoming adversity, intense and unexpected twists and turns, education, encouragement, and plenty of those, did you hear that, moments. Hear more and talk to us about creating your own podcast, from large and detailed projects to smaller, more personal-sized productions. That's wesslermedia.com. W-E-S-S-L-E-R-Media.com.